Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. Welcome to Parkway Fellowship. So glad that you're here today because today we're kicking off a brand new series called Stretched Thin. And look, and I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know about you, but there have been many times in my life where like I have felt like I've been stretched way too thin. And so God doesn't want us to live our lives like that. So let me give you an illustration of what that looks like. So for many of us, we've got a lot of commitments in our lives. And one of the main things that we spend our time doing is, is our work, okay? So let's just say that this ball represents your work. And even if you're a stay-at-home mom, like this, that is your work. And like that is work, right? So if this represents your work, if work was all we did, I mean, I see, like, we could probably handle that. Like, there's probably enough margin of space for us to handle our work. But the problem is, that's not all there is. In fact, that's not even all there is at work. Because at work, we've got other commitments that we need to make. Like, we've got, like, emails that we've got to handle. Like, there's certain projects that we've got to do. You know, the boss gives us that extra little thing that we're, you know, supposed to, you know, be doing for him and that kind of thing. And, yeah, doesn't that irritate us, right? So anyway, but then it's not like just work. Then there's all that stuff at home that you got to do, right? Because there's, you know, all those things like with the kids that, you know, they've got to do and they want you to do that. You got to get them to practices and to rehearsals and all that kind of good stuff. And pretty soon, like, life starts to look a little bit overloaded, right? And then, you know, there's that, there's that commitment to work out. Like, well, I don't know where I'm going to fit that in. I mean, I bought that... I bought that machine that we're hanging laundry on right now, but I really, I really should try to figure out, see if there's a way that I can start working out. And so then, whenever you come to church on Sunday, like, this is what you look like. Yeah, this is what your life is like. And so then, like, you come to church, and, and then the pastor says something like, you know what? You need to volunteer. Because that's what God would want you to do. You're like, okay. If God wants me to do that, then maybe I can, maybe I can do that too. And so then you're, you're in church, and they're like, man, just imagine what heaven's going to look like. You're like, well, you know what? I can imagine hell right about now. <laughs> right? This is what it's like. And so, look, when we're like overstressed and overworked and overloaded, when we're stretched too thin, this is what it feels like. But this isn't what God wants you to live, how you want you to live, he wants you to live your life. This is not God's perfect plan for you or for anyone else for that matter. But the problem is, look, it's not like we can all just like throw our hands over there and say, you know what, I just, I just quit everything. Yeah, just hang on to those. <laughs> it's, it's not like you can just throw your hands up and just quit everything, right? Well, then, then what are we supposed to do? What does God want us to do? Well, look, that's what this entire series is all about. Because look at what Jesus, whoa, almost ate it right there. I'm, I'm better than that. Y'all just chill out, okay? <laughs> look at what God says. Look at what Jesus says life is supposed to look like. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says this. And get this, he's talking to people who are stretched too thin. He says this, he says, come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I mean, for most of us, like, we don't feel like our yoke is easy. Our burden is light. We don't feel like we have any real rest for our souls. Most of us spend our time driving through life with our hair on fire, and we think the only way to put it out is just to drive faster. So what do we do? I mean, what does God say that we're really supposed to do? I mean, how are we supposed to find this kind of life that Jesus is talking about? Well, that brings us to the first part of this series, that we need to begin with the end in mind. Let me show you how important this is. <clears throat> this past spring, I was at a place in life where I got to be honest with you, like I was working way too much. I was stretched way too thin. I was working a lot. I was coming home late every day. I was spending time decompressing by, you know, watching TV or, you know, just playing on my phone, you know, whatever. And I, I was feeling like I was stretched too thin and I knew it. I just didn't know anybody else knew it either. So, I remember one, there was one morning when, uh, you know, we're getting ready to get the kids to school, and Libby, my daughter, was like super stressed out because like she had a project that she was working on for school that she was like a couple of days behind on. She had a math test, like first period that morning, and she was really stressed out about that. And the night before, when I was helping her study for math, like she and I got in crossways because she didn't, wasn't understanding I wasn't being very understanding. There were lots of tears. And um, that morning, there were even more tears, you know, because, you know, it was real tense in the house. And I like, was like, hey, come on. We got to get in the car. We got to go. Get your stuff. Get packed up. Let's get in the car. Let's, you know, and it was, a, it was super tense. We get in the car. And I, and I tried to explain to Libby and kind of talk her off the ledge. I'm like, look, mom and I, we're not mad at you. We're, we're just frustrated with the situation, Okay. Well, later that night, um, when we were going through Libby's text, me text messages, and by the way, mom and dad, if you don't go through your kids' text, text messages and social media like you absolutely should, our kids, they've got to turn in their phones every day, and they know that we go through their texts and social media, and, look, and it's not an invasion of privacy, it helps you be a better parent and stay current with your child, Okay. So you need to do that. All right. So anyway, so we're going through the text, text messages. And what I read that night, it broke my heart. It broke my heart probably more than anything I've ever read in my entire life. She had been texting with a friend. And by the way, Libby's given me permission to share this, so like, it's okay, she knows. And so Libby wrote this, she says, when her, she was telling her friend that yes, she said, I was bawling my ever-living eyes out because I do not feel loved or cherished by my dad. And I do not feel like my parents thought I was hardworking or proud of me. And at the end of the text, she wrote, so after I settled down and my parents explained and talked to me, I believed them, but only partially. And as a dad, when I read that, I mean, that, that broke my heart. 
and it broke Amy's heart for me. And I'm telling you, it was a slap in the face that woke me up to the reality. And the reality was that I was working too much. And I was coming home too late every day. And I was spending more time on my phone than I was spending time with the kids. And, and I knew that something had to change because otherwise I was going to lose my relationship with my daughter. I was going to lose it. And so I, I began to pray something like this. It wasn't these words, but it was something like this. And I want to share this with you. I began to pray something like this. God, help me not lose sight of what matters when all I can see is what I'm doing. God, help me not lose sight of what matters when all I can see is what I'm doing. That's the situation that I was in. Now, I'd already been feeling like there was a need for some change, but I just didn't realize that my daughter Libby was feeling it too. And so here's what I did. Uh, Amy, Libby and I sat down and Libby and I, we made a commitment that we were gonna spend time together every month. And so, and we're gonna put it on the calendar, we're gonna schedule it so it didn't get scheduled away from us. And so we, we've done that. And the last six months has been amazing. Like, like we laugh together now. And we're, we're making memories again together now. And, and things have really made a remarkable change in my relationship with Libby. And see, I, I realized that I, need to, I needed to have in mind what I wanted my relationship with my daughter to look like at the end and whatever it was at the end that I needed to do some things now so that it would get to that end when she was older. That basically, if I wanted to be closer when we were older, then I needed to do some things when she was younger. And that's what I did. And see, sometimes, sometimes we don't understand what's at stake when we're stretched too thin. We don't realize that if we stay stretched too thin, for, very, for too long, that it, it eventually snaps all of the relationships in life that we genuinely care about the most. And look, these, those sorts of habits start when you're single. So if you're listening today and you're single, like you need to get a hold of this now, especially before later on when you have a family. So like this is, a, this is for all of us in the room that are listening today. So one of the best things that we can do is we can think about what we want life to look like at the end so that we can start doing it, doing things now that will lead to the end that we want. Well, then the question is, how? How can I begin with the end in mind? And what does God say? So today, we're going to look at a guy in the Bible that of all the people in the Bible, like this guy was the most overworked, overloaded, overstressed, overwhelmed, stretched too thin individual in the whole Bible, in my opinion. His name was Nehemiah. His name was Nehemiah. And his task was to rebuild a wall around the city of Jerusalem because the, city, the wall around the city of Jerusalem had been broken down. And the people were constantly being invaded by enemies because they had no protection. But get this, to rebuild the wall, like they had to do it all by hand. There were no machines, there were no cranes, there was nothing like that. Everything was done by hand. And I'll, look, I'll be honest, I, I used to think that the wall would, you know, would you know, be about like this high, just like some stones stacked up, you know, so you could shoot over it, you know, shoot the enemies, that kind of thing. Like I thought that was the wall. But I did some research, 
It's, it was nothing like that. Okay, get this. Here's what I found out about the wall. That the wall was an average of 39 feet high. An average of 39 feet high. I mean, that's a four-story building. Okay? It was also eight feet thick. And it was eight feet thick because you had to be able to get you know, troops on the top, and they had to be able to walk in front and behind one another so that they could, you know, repel the enemy. And it was two and a half miles long. So they'd get stretched all the way around the city. Now, can you imagine building that kind of a wall by hand? That was the task that was in front of Nehemiah and the people. Now, get this. From start to finish, God helped Nehemiah, and they built that wall in 52 days. 52 days! I mean, that's incredible. I'm pretty sure Donald Trump couldn't do that, right? <laughs> so, 52 days is what it took, all right? And through, look, get this. Through Nehemiah, God repaired what was broken. And I'm telling you, he will do the same in your life. He will repair whatever is broken, and he'll do it in record time. If you will do the things that God tells you to do. And so, what does God tell us to do? He says that we need to begin with the end in mind. If we do that, then when we get to the end, we'll arrive at a place where we have rest for our souls. And it all started with what Nehemiah did at the beginning. And at the beginning, he gathered the people of Jerusalem together, and he talked to them about the situation. And what he told them, changed everything. So let's look and see what he told him. But let, so let's ask this question. Go ahead and pull out your message notes if you haven't already done so. Let's ask this question. What can I do to begin with the end in mind? The first thing, the number one thing I need to do is I need to be honest with myself. I need to be honest with myself. Look at what um, Nehemiah says to the people. He says this. He says, then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Okay, so look, Nehemiah, he starts off by being honest about the situation that they're in. He said, and he includes himself. He says, hey, look, you see the trouble that we are in. And look, Nehemiah, he wasn't there when the walls fell down. He had no part in it. But Nehemiah doesn't make excuses. He doesn't justify. He doesn't blame. He doesn't do any of that. He just says, hey, let's, let's just be real honest about the situation that we're in. So look, when you are finally honest about the situation that you're in, that's when change begins to happen. But you've gotta be honest with the people that you love the most about, the real, about your situation. And you need them to be honest back with you. Now, let me give you some tips from what Nehemiah did that will help that conversation go so much easier, okay? So here's a few things that Nehemiah did, okay? First is this, don't blame. And don't blame. Don't blame the other person. Don't blame the situation. Don't blame the circumstances. Look, when you blame someone, that's like you picking up this ball and just chunking it at them as hard as you possibly can because somehow you're blaming them. You can't blame them for your situation, you can't, and you can't blame the circumstances. Look, placing blame does nothing to fix the problem. So don't spend any time doing that. Second thing he says this, is don't justify. 
Don't justify. Don't go around and say, you know what? I'm the only one that can do this project. Like, I'm the only one that has the skill set to make this happen. And so, like, I had to do all that. Like, I've had to, and I didn't have any choice. I mean, I wanted to, to, to put that away, but I couldn't because I'm the only one. That, and you justified the past. Look, that doesn't lead to solution. So don't spend any time justifying. So I know what Nehemiah did. He didn't do that. And the second or third thing that you need to do is this. You need to just simply be real. You got to just be real. You know, there's been times in, um, in our marriage when Amy and I have looked at each other and we've just said, you know what? We're not as close to each other as we want to be. There's been times and I've looked at some friends and I said, you know what? I've not been the friend that I want to be. There's been times when I've looked in the mirror and said, I'm not the person I want to be. You just got to be real. You got to be real. And when you finally get real, then you're at a place where you can say, okay, God, I need you to help me not be stretched so thin. And when you get to that point, then you're ready for number two. Number two is this, is that I need to commit to go to work. Commit to go to work. You got to commit to go to work. Now, I'm not talking about like your business work, because honestly, that might be part of what's keeping you stretched so thin. What I'm saying is you got to be committed to go to work on whatever it is that's causing you to be stretched so thin. Look what Nehemiah says. He says to the people, he says, so come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. Basically, Nehemiah says, hey, come on, guys. Like, let's go to work. Let's quit moaning about it. Let's quit groaning about it. Let's quit talking about it. Let's do something about it. Like, let's go to work. And so sometimes that's what you need to do. You need to stop moaning and groaning about what needs to change, and you need to start changing the things that need to change. That's what needs to happen. Look, I've already told you that like, I started scheduling some time with Libby, and that's what I did. But in addition to that, like literally, I deleted every game and every app off my phone that was taking my time. Like I deleted all of it. All of it. In fact, there's actually only one game I still have on my phone, and that's the game that Libby and I play together. And that's it. Everything else is gone. Just last month, Amy and I booked a hotel in town, and we spent a night away because the truth is we just needed a night away, just the two of us. So you got to commit to go to work on it. You can't just moan and groan about it. So look, what about you? What would God ask you to do to start rebuilding what's important. Make a commitment to be at church more so that you can learn more and you can grow. Schedule some rest in your week. Ask God which ball you need to put down so you can get his input on. I'm telling you, if you're willing to go to work on it, God's willing to lead you. And he'll speak into your life and he'll tell you and he'll show you if you're willing to go to work on it, okay? All right. Third thing is this, is that I need to get a picture of what could be. I need to get a picture of what could be. Look, let's look at the entire verse. Verse 17 says this, then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in, Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire, come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and I want you to underline this, and we will no longer be in disgrace. 
Basically what he does is that Nehemiah casts a vision to the people of what could be. He says, like, this is what it could look like. This is what it could happen. This is a a totally different future. And that's what we need to do. Sometimes we just need to get a vision of a totally different future of what really could be. And it's hard to do that sometimes. So I brought something that'll help you today. Um, Find in your chair, there was a, 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 a paper tape measure. I want you everybody to find your paper tape measure right now. Go ahead and unfold it. And if, by the way, you don't, you're, you're, there's not one in your seat, if you'll raise your hand, we've got some staff members that'll come around and get a tape measure for you. So just put that in your ear, okay? Get your tape measure out, unfold it, and uh, anyway, so everybody do that. Now, I want you to turn it over to the metric side. Turn it over to the centimeter. See, like, you just thought you had, had no use in your life for the metric scale, right? There's some use for it. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to find your current age. Okay, now, you don't have to look at your neighbor and see if they're being honest, okay? Just, but just look at it. Find your current age, where, whatever age you are right now, and then I want you to tear it right there, okay? That part that you've torn off, that's your past, okay? So here's what I want you to do with your past. I want you just to drop it behind you. Just drop it behind you. Like, that's your past, man. Like, you can't do anything to change it. You can't do anything to fix it. And you, look, don't let your past control you. Don't live in the past. And don't let it haunt you. Just put it behind you. Like, I just saved you like $1,000 of therapy right there, okay? (laughs) Right? Okay, now, here's what I want you to do. Here's the next thing I want you to do. I want you to look on, on your paper, and I want you to find the age in life where you think you're gonna pass away. Now look, be optimistic, okay? <laughs> like, like get, do something like in the high 80s, like 90s. Give yourself a hundo. I mean, I don't care, but just do, do whatever you want, but, and then tear it off right there, okay? This part that you've just torn off, this is your eternity. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to lay that on your lap right in front of you. Just lay it on your lap right in front of you, okay? Now, the part that you have left, the part that you have left, this is your future. This is your future, and I want you to look at it. This is your future. This represents what you have left. So let me ask you, what do you want your future to look like? What do you want your marriage to look like? I know some of you are singers are like, I just want to get married. I mean, <laughs> and I'd like to do it before the end over here. This is not the quality years, okay? Like, okay, I get that. So, but, but what do you, so what, what do you want your marriage to look like? What do you want your relationship with your kids to look like? What do you want to accomplish in your career? What do you want God to do in your life? What do you want your future to look like? And see, once you can get a picture of what the future looks like and what you want it to look like at the end, just like Nehemiah did for the people, once you can get that kind of a picture in your head, then it helps you to begin with the end in mind. It helps you say, you know what, if I want to get to that end, it helps you sort out what you need to stop 
doing in order to get there. Because a lot of times some of our problem is we've got so much stuff happening going on in our life. Like we don't really know what to stop doing. Because look, let's be honest. If you're stretched too thin, you're going to have to stop something because you're stretched too thin. But sometimes we just don't know what to stop. But if we can begin with the end in mind, it helps to really help us see, you know what? That is not going to help me get to the end that I want to get to. And it becomes real easy to figure out, you know what? That's something I can put down and my life would be better for it. Because I'm beginning with the end in mind. Now, one more thing. That part that you have on your lap, your eternity, okay? Look, your eternity doesn't end at 184 centimeters, okay? (laughs) That is a timeline that literally, it goes out of this room, goes all the way to your house, and beyond. That's how long eternity is. And you would be a fool to sit here today and only plan your future without looking at your eternity and where you're going to spend eternity. But get this, where you spend eternity is decided during the time you're alive. And so it's super important that you know while you're alive, where you're going to spend your eternity. Look, and it doesn't matter what other people have told you about how you get to heaven. It doesn't matter what you heard growing up about how you get to heaven. All that really matters is what does God say about how you get to heaven? Because he is the one that's deciding who gets there. And so what does God say about how to get to heaven? Look what he says in John chapter 3, verse 36. He says this. It says, and to all who trust him, God's son, and God's son is Jesus Christ. And to all who trust him, God's son, Jesus Christ, to save them, have eternal life. Those who don't believe and obey him shall never see heaven. So let me ask you, look. As you see your eternity lying there before you, have you ever asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, to forgive you, and to pledge your life to following him? Like, it doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that you're going to make all the right decisions. It doesn't mean that you're never going to sin. Of course you are. I do too. But it means that I'm going to do my best to follow him and obey him. I'm going to give it my my best effort. And I'm going to ask him to help me become better along the way at doing that have you ever asked Jesus to come into your life to forgive you and committed to following him that's what being a Christ father that's what being a Christian is all about so if you've never done that do that today there's a prayer it's at the bottom of your message notes in just a moment I'm going to pray for all of us and while I'm praying for all of us I want you to take a moment and I want you to pray that prayer if you're ready now I want all of us, please understand that we, we would be naive to think that we could fix everything about like being stretched thin in one week, okay? It's not. That's why this is a six-week message series. It's meant to be taken as a whole. And next week, we're going to talk about where to cheat and where not to cheat in your schedule. I mean, it's going to be awesome. So make sure that you're here. It's going to be... A, Everything in this series is going to be intensely 
practical. So make sure that you're here next week. So bow your head, close your eyes. Let me pray for all of us. Heavenly Father, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for... Thank you for helping us see the reality and and what's at stake by being stretched thin. And I pray for every person that's listening today that's feeling overloaded, overstressed, overwhelmed, stretched thin. God, that you would help them today to be honest about it and to commit to go to work. And God, that you would help all of us to begin with the end in mind and through this series that you would give us so much practical stuff that literally it would be life and schedule altering and the dividends that would pay for our marriages, for our future marriages, to our kids, to our future kids, to our grandkids, literally would be immeasurable. And any, I pray for any relationships that are stretched so, so thin that they are at the breaking point God, I ask that you would rebuild what has been broken. You'd restore what needs to be restored, just like you did for Nehemiah and the wall, and that you would do it in record time. And bring us back next week, Heavenly Father, so that we can hear more about how to not be stretched so thin. And ask you to do this for all of us, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.